He's retired special agent from the United States government. He's been tasked with investigating weapons of mass destruction, every kind of national security threat you can imagine. And he's here to talk about what he says is one of the most difficult things to investigate in law enforcement. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Calling us from Boston, we have retired special agent Eric Karen on the phone. Eric, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. My brother, it's always a privilege and an honor to speak with you, sir. You've been hearing me talk about Eric for the last month. You've also heard some spots on a law enforcement show about Eric and his book, Switched On Life, and his podcast, Switched On Life, and his website, Switched On Life. Go to switchedonlife.com. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. Before we get into the conversation, Eric, tell us briefly your career in law enforcement from start to finish. Yeah, so, you know, um, I, I became a, uh, a summer police officer on Cape Cod. Uh, did that for one summer, about three months, and I did it enough to know that, boy, that uniform uh, just didn't feel right on. And, uh, and, and so I, I went on to Northeastern University, and I wanted to pursue a career in, in federal law enforcement, and I did, did just that became a special agent for the United States Treasury Department, uh, United States Customs Service in beautiful Newark, New Jersey, and uh, did that for a bunch of years, doing everything from drugs, international drug smuggling to child porn to proliferation of weapons and technology that were being acquired by countries of concern, such as Iran, Russia, and China. And then went on to um, headquarters, did my headquarters stunt, uh, bounced around there. I was an Interpol representative. And then after 9-11, I actually self-demoted myself, believe it or not, and went back to the field as an agent, street agent, uh, in Boston. And, uh, and then uh, ran the National Security Group in Boston, working with the J- Joint Terrorism Task Forces around the country. And then went overseas, did an overseas tour in Dubai. I was the attache doing all kind of neat covert operations targeting the Iranians and preventing the importation of WMD, WMD materials into the U.S. Via I, I feel like I'm talking with James Bond here without the accent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, great, you know, uh, great experience overseas. I loved it. Hard work, actually, uh, as much as, you know, it sounds interesting, and it, it was, don't get me wrong, but it's, a, it's a 24-7 position um and uh, but it was great it made me not just a better agent 
an investigator, but it made me a better person in American because I appreciate my freedoms that much more here in America these days than I have ever you know, have ever done. Um, so God bless America. We, this is the best country in the world. I wish the American people would, uh, quite frankly, support the men and women of law enforcement a little more, better, uh, and understand the threat and the, the the threats and what law enforcement officers go through at the state. Well, that's part of what we do or why we do what we do with the law enforcement today's show. And, and by the way, a lot of what you're saying about lack of support, I was saying, and my coworkers were saying in Baltimore in 1980, 1981, uh, it, it's... A lot of what we're going through now, and I don't want to beat this into the ground, a lot of what we're going through now is a rehash of the same thing that was going on in the 60s, the 70s, yeah. 80s, a little bit in the 90s, and maybe 2010 to 2020. So this is a cycle, and we will go through anti-law enforcement swing, and then I'll swing back to pro-law enforcement. But in the meantime, everybody's still got a yeah. job to do. And it's a shame yeah. that it takes so many people to have to go to work and live in other countries to appreciate the freedoms we have. Yeah, and, and you know, I, re- I finished my career as the resident agent in charge in the state of Rhode Island. I was the rack, as, as they say, uh, in Rhode Island. And again, um, it gave me a deeper appreciation for local law enforcement officers, because without local law enforcement officers and state law enforcement officers, um, partnership is so critical because um of because this as we know there's only so many good guys versus the bad guys and we have to collaborate on a lot of different cases and help one another and uh that really gave me a great experience working with our state and local partners involving everything from drugs to child porn to to human trafficking to counterfeiting you name it and so I have a special place uh, for local law enforcement officers. My dad was a, a sergeant in, in the city of New Bedford, Massachusetts, and uh, he taught me everything I knew. I, I you know, I know in life, um, and uh, uh, I dedicated my book, "Switched On: The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent," to my dad and all Leos out there. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for your service, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I, I don't know what a lot of the federal agents do. I know what the DEA does because I was detailed to them for about almost two years. I have yeah. some idea what FBI does. I have some idea because I've guessed on from Secret Service what they've done. And I actually did some work in the field with them involving counterfeiting. Yeah. Customs, I have very little information about. Immigrations, even less. And yeah. Homeland Security is a total mystery to me. Uh, and to be honest with you, all those agencies... Homeland Security, Immigration, CBP, Customs. They seem to have yep. become wrapped up in some great big huge political ball of wax, and I don't think it accurately represents what they do. Well, you know, um, brother, you know, I, I got to tell you that uh, after 9-11, the administration, the president, the White House had to do something, and I think there was a rush to... Um, to do something and not necessarily the right thing because they broke up agencies, as you know, uh, and, and brought agencies under the Department of Homeland Security that probably should have been kept out of the politics of creating the Department of Homeland Security. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. The Department of Homeland Security has 21 different agencies under it, from the Coast Guard to uh, ICE, and under ICE, there's Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, which 
I was part of. Of course, you have CBP, Customs and Border Protection, uh, and Border Patrol is under them. Um, so it becomes decentralized and uh, splintered, uh, and it, it, it creates, uh, you know, it creates, how do I say this? It, it just decentralizes law enforcement efforts even even more, and, and, and it's a bigger problem in my eyes. So um, I hear you, um, Homeland Security uh, is a one of the largest departments in the government, and um, you know, I, you know, I'm hoping that it, it gets better uh, in in the days and years ahead as far as coordination. So we really couldn't say, "Hey, what's Homeland Security do?" and expect you know a five or ten or twenty word explanation yes. because it's a lot of different things. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of different agencies under that umbrella. Am I wrong? Yeah, absolutely right. We got FEMA, right? We have FEMA under. The, the Department of Homeland Security. We have the Coast Guard under Homeland Security. We have Secret Service under Homeland Security. We have ICE under Homeland Security and CBP and and all the <laughs> all the letters of the alphabet. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We are talking with Eric Karen. He is a retired special agent. He's also a podcaster and author. Man, he's got uh, so much he's into. When we return, we're going to talk about one of the most difficult aspects of his law enforcement career. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. we got versions for your Android and iPhone devices. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Return conversation with Eric Karen. You've heard me talk about him on the Law Enforcement Today show for the past month. He's also been on the show about Switched On Life, his podcast, the book, his website, switchedonlife.com. He is a retired special agent for the United States government. A lot of different agencies. It's not the secret stuff that you think, although there's some spy stuff going on that, quite frankly, yeah. is above my pay grade. I've always wanted to say <laughs> that, by the way. But right. you and I have talked before the interview, and one of the things that we talked about in your career yeah is that you guys handle lots of things. But one of them is, by far, without any doubt, one of the most difficult things to investigate, both emotionally, gathering evidence, prosecuting a court, and that's child pornography. I don't know yeah. how you guys did that. Yeah, difficult, very difficult. And let me, just a just way of background, globalization is is great you know we saw that after the fall of soviet union and and opening up trade i call it the three t's john jay i three t's trade travel telecommunication that exploded during after the fall of soviet union and globalization trade travel telecommunication all great things all great things but bad guys exploit trade travel telecommunication and so the internet, as you know and I know, is that it's exploding these days and even getting bigger. And bad guys uh, in the area of child porn, and I'm going to say infant porn, infant porn, 
that I've seen, it has exploded into a multi-billion, that's what a B, billion dollar industry. And it's an epidemic, not just in the U.S., but globally, child porn, infant porn is an epidemic. And, and unfortunately, with the pandemic, it's even worse, much worse. And, I, you know, the numbers are staggering. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has seen an increase of over 100% of images in the last year. The U.K. authorities, police, have seen a 146% increase in cases relating to child infant porn. India, 200% increase in the increase in, in child porn cases in India. And so it, it is an epidemic and uh, I've seen it firsthand, and, you know, there's different categories, if I, if I may say, of child porn, and we can get into that if you, if you wish. I'll be honest you with you, I don't me. know if I want to. I, I, I really, I'm not trying to interrupt your conversation here, but this yeah. whole subject is so revolting that I, I want to, literally, if I was in a room with a bad guy that had yeah. lots of child pornography, I think I'd have a hard time keeping my hands off of him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've seen it, brother. I, I've seen that, um, and uh, um, you know, most, you know, we check one another, uh, and, 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 and I've seen that. Well, see, I'm I've a seen. father. I have two daughters, adult daughters, and even before they were born, I think most police have a sensitivity towards children, infants, uh, those who can't protect themselves, the elderly. So, and I'm I'm yeah. saying this not to be overly dramatic, but. There are still yeah. images that pop in my head from stuff I experienced when I was in my 20s involving children as a police officer. That just doesn't go away. Absolutely, absolutely. So what we have, what we kind of ha have, and I'll put it into three categories, if you will, broad categories. You have those individuals, and mostly men, but there are some women, but mostly men who possess, collect, and trade child porn, okay, via mostly the internet, right? No longer getting the magazines from the UK or Europe, what have it. This is all internet-related, online possession, collecting, and trading with one another. And, it, you know, there's chat rooms that you have to get into, and you have to share images with one another. So possession, collector, collectors, traders, right? And then we have, then we move on to the production, right? Those folks, those bad guys who actually produce child porn in the U.S. and around the world, and they are, they are snatching, in some cases, children, babies, and producing child porn, um, where there are images, and I've seen them, unfortunately, of babies being raped at the, as young as 25 days old. And so, so you have the producers of child porn, and then you, the third category is the traveler. Right. You have the travelers who who either travel to the victim or entice the victim to them. So via interstate or international. So you have folks who are going to Thailand on these sex trafficking kind of visits, if you will. Uh, you have I've seen it in multiple cases that I've been involved in where you have individuals from, let's just say, Massachusetts entices a. A, a, a girl, you know, mentally challenged, handicapped girl. Uh, she's maybe 14, but operating, if you will, at the age of eight, 
to the library, and he takes her from the library to Rhode Island and assaults her and rapes her overnight. So we have those travelers who travel internationally or domestically to um, find and assault children uh, as well. Um, so, you know, those are the three kind of broad areas. If I, if I had to put bad guys in, those who possess and collect and trade, those who produce and those who travel. Um, and, and, and somebody, you know, a bad guy could do all three of them, right? And, and someone, guy. unfortunately, has to investigate this. Because it, it's yeah. a reality of life. And as, as much as I hate this conversation, as much as I find it revolting, and everyone I know is going to have the same reaction. This is horrible stuff. It's the fact of life. It happens. And we have predatory people that do these things. And they do things like that to the most defenseless members of our society, our children. And somebody is tasked with investigating it and somebody has to enforce that and get them off the street. And that was you and your crew. Yes. Yeah. And you know what, brother, and you you probably know this, but I've had actually bad guys tell me uh, during, you know, interrogations, they like the younger the better. You know why? No, no, because I don't know if I want to know why. I really, they, yeah, look, I, I, want people, know, I want people to think that I'm some big tough guy. I really do. I want them yeah. to think, you know, I, you look at me, and I say this all the time. Some people don't look like police. I do. When I'm 85 pushing a walker down the street with the tennis balls under the front of it, they'll say, uh-oh, there's a 5-0. I look like that. I look like a knuckle-dragon Neanderthal street <laughs> cop. And I don't say that as an insult. That's how I look. But the truth is, so many of these things are so horrifying that yeah. just what I experienced in my career have affected me adversely. Everyone I've talked to that's been in law enforcement has been affected negatively. And our society pays a tremendous price. And the people who really suffer are the youngest, the most defenseless uh, among us, our children. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. We're talking with Eric Karen. And we return, we'll continue on with how does one go about investigating child pornography and keeping their sanity? There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles that is our facebook page law enforcement today radio show don't go anywhere we'll be right back one of the most frequent questions we see is where can i find great podcasts do you have any suggestions yes we do so we decided to start our own podcast network on law enforcement today that's right you can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu. Or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Eric Karen on the Law Enforcement Today show. Eric is a retired United States 
federal agent, special agent, and part of his career uh, involved investigating and enforcing and arresting bad guys involving child pornography, which we'll return that conversation in a moment. Uh, since retiring, he has written a book. He's also a podcaster. His website is switchedonlife.com. Go there, check out his shows, check out his podcast, and check out his book as well. Eric, before we went to break, we are talking about investigating child pornography and yeah. how revolting it is just to even talk about it. It's like talking about one of the foulest things I could imagine, but I had to do it. You had to do it. Fortunately for me in my career, I didn't have to do that much of it. Uh, and I never understood physical abuse of children. There's a lot of things I don't understand, I can't comprehend, and it's revolting to even think about it. But when you have a crime that you've got to investigate, and I tell people this, that the principles are the same. First, you try to look at the crime scene. In your case, or in this case, it might be photos or videos or whatever it might be. You look at the crime scene, see which evidence you can gather from that crime scene, protect the crime scene, and then start investigating where the evidence takes you to who's involved. Is it pretty much the same with child pornography? Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. You know, I, it brings me back to at least one case. You know, I ran and managed was a case similar to what you're saying. We hit a house in Boston and uh, there was an image of a, a little girl in bed naked with a sign on her back and that basically the bad guy was trying to pimp her out. And, um, and that image, our tech guys were able to, to bring that image to the home where that image was done at, which was in the state of Rhode Island. And so we, we within 24 hours, were able to execute a search warrant get into that house where that image was taken, go right into that bedroom. I was in that bedroom where that image was taken, saw the, saw the bedding, saw the clothes, saw the toys, and um, got the bad guy and uh, got the hard drive and looked at the hard drive. And sure enough, you know, we were able to uh, prosecute the individual um, for child porn. Uh, and it happened to be the 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 boyfriend of the mother and um the mother was of course horrified because she would go to work at night her child that this happened to correct and her boyfriend as she worked the midnight shift he volunteered of course to take care of her child (sighs) a big part of my response to that is i'm not shocked i wish i could be shocked uh, because unfortunately that happens far too often where yeah. the stepchildren are hor- horribly abused by a step-parent. And I don't want to get into that be- because, let me clarify this. I had someone ask me to go on their podcast and they want to talk about a national child ID program uh, to protect children from the scary guy in the car offering him candy or help me find my kitten type deal. And I was like, yeah, I'd be right. more than happy to go talk to you. But, but you realize that more than 60% of children in the United States who are horribly injured or killed are killed by loved ones, by people yes. who are very close to them. It's not the boogeyman down the street. It's the, the, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the mom, the dad, the uncle, the brother that we got to be concerned about. Yeah, that's right. Amen. And the sister as Amen. well. And, 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 and you know, um, if I may say, it, it's a cycle, right, in that more than 50% of those incarcerated, brother, 
are, you know, they themselves have been abused. They get out and abuse others. And so more than 50% of men and women in, in, in the can have been abused themselves. And so it's a vicious cycle. And you're right. Most offenders are people known to the victim. Absolutely. So, so before we get into how do we protect our children, I want to talk about the obvious, the the 900-pound gorilla in the corner of the room of the radio studio right now. How do investigators investigate something as horrendous as child porn and keep their sanity or not become so emotionally scarred that they become a problem themselves? Great. It's a great question. You know, so what I did as a manager was cycle, quite frankly, cycle investigators through um, after so many years of, of doing it and, and made sure that that, that wellness, our, our wellness program was working properly for these agents and that and investigators that they were able to speak to a counselor or a psychologist or a psychologist, psychologist or a psych, um, a psych guy, doctor, um, a counselor, anytime they want, 24-7. And um, so basically it's really up to the agency and the managers to manage their investigators, making sure that they got the proper help and support they needed. And, and quite frankly, at the end of the day, after so many years on the job, I try to, you know, um, sir, get them out of the, those types of cases and, and expose others, if you will, to, right. to child porn investigations. The, a rotation so that someone doesn't do it too long, and that includes you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It did include me, and I, and, and, and you know, as a as a manager, I had to manage an entire office, and I had at least two two full time agents doing nothing for the most part but child porn, but all those cases went through me um, as far as vetting processes and signing off on reports and, and of course, search warrants and arrests with the U.S. attorney. Um, and, yeah, so and I had to see all that, all the evidence on all the cases. So, yeah, it, did it take a toll on me? Sure it did. Uh, I'd be lying to say, you know, it didn't. Because, you know what, John Jay, we, we ask human beings – to perform superhero jobs perfectly. We're human, and, and, and sometimes we break. And, you know, I, I get it. I've seen it. I've seen people go to the dark side. I've seen people commit suicide. And um, it's, it, it's, it's unfortunate, and that's why I'm a big proponent of, of, of getting the holistic help that local, state, and federal law enforcement officers need because – they may not be taking punches to the body every day, but they're taking punches to the brain every day and, 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 and based on what they see and what they do. And we as a society need to provide, when I say society, our politicians, our local mayors, and governors, and president, even at the presidential level, need to provide the services our first responders need to get through a 25-year career like I did. Absolutely. We have to. We have to do that. We have to get better. And there's also a very selfish reason behind this. And I I say this all the time. In the United States, we're very fortunate in most parts of this country. If you have an emergency, you call 911, someone will be there. Let's just say it's a a 
physical emergency, your uncle had a heart attack or something like that. You call 911 and the person that's first, usually first there is usually a law enforcement officer because there's more in them, yep. they're mobile, they're out and about, they might be in your neighborhood at the time of the call. Firehouses, it takes a while to get there. So when I call 911 for an emergency, I want the very best of the best to show up. I want people on their A game to show up. Yes. You know, I don't want someone who is so traumatized that they become part of the problem. Uh, I don't want someone that says, look, I've done this for eight years. I'm really good at what I do, but I can't handle anymore. I'm leaving and we're going to have the, the B team come in and yes. fill the spots. So we don't want that. It's, our community doesn't deserve it and our first responders don't deserve it. And by the way, this depression post-traumatic stress, suicide has been an epidemic problem in our first responder community in the United States for decades, and it's not letting up. We need to do something different. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll return to our conversation with Eric Karen in just a few moments. Catch all the episodes of Law Enforcement Today Show as a podcast for free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast or just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and you'll find us right there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-756-8720-800-756-8720-800-756-8720. That's 800-756-8720. Back to our conversation with Eric Karen on the Law Enforcement Today show. You've heard me talk about Eric for a while. He is a retired special agent. He's also an author. He's a podcaster. We'll talk about his book, his podcast. His website is switchedonlife.com. And Eric, you started most of this after retiring from your service in the federal government, correct? Yeah, you're absolutely correct, sir. But this started, this transition for you started before retiring. Yeah, so I, I as I as I retired, I knew that, you know, my mission was to, to, to write a book and to dedicate it to, to men and women in law enforcement because I, I wanted people to understand the, the good of law enforcement and the not so good of law enforcement. Because most people don't understand what the job's all about, and I wanted to give them a glimpse behind the badge. And most people have no idea because they take what Hollywood puts out there, and they take that as the truth. And I'll just give you an example. You look at 
police movies or television shows in the United States produced by Hollywood, they're going to have at least one or two characters in there who are knocked down, drag out drunks, that uh, take pills, that have been divorced five times, that never see their kids, they're salty, they're angry, they're grumpy. Then you have the idealistic man or woman, and then you have the burnouts in between. And while some of those are true, it's the exception to the rule. The most people I know in law enforcement worked their entire careers doing the best they could 99.9% of the time with no resources and for really unsolvable problems. Amen. You know, you know, I'm sure at the local level, if you mentioned resources, you know, I think most people would be shocked to hear that most police departments in America have just enough bullets and resources to go out and, and, and qualify once a year. And Fortunately, on the federal level, we're, you know, quarterly qualifications, and we had to go out and train. But most lo- local law enforcement officers who are, who are on the front line have you know, limited resources um, and limited personnel. And, again, we ask ordinary people to perform superhero jobs and perfectly, and it ain't going to happen. And we as a society need to do a better job understanding the roles they play and supporting them 110%. Right. And, and when, we, we haven't done that in the last year. We have not. And we, we expect them to do the best job possible. And it's good for our community. We, we demand it. And as a, a sergeant, I had to make sure they did everything by the book the best they could and that they were taken care of. So it was a balancing act all the time. However, the old joke is, in our department, and we didn't have take-home cars. We changed shifts every eight hours, and the cars ran for 24 hours a day. And when I yep. first started, we had two by fours holding up the driver's seat in the back because they were all broken. Every one of them was broken. Uh, yeah. they, they barely ran. And we, if you think the equipment was barely functioning, the same thing started happening to the men and women doing the job because it was nonstop call after call after call and you couldn't even get a lunch break. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And, and most people, you know, I like you, I've, I've had the opportunity to work around the U.S. from from Newark, New Jersey, to Washington, D.C., to the Bronx, to Manhattan. I've seen Baltimore. I've seen Chicago. uh, I've seen parts of Boston. I've seen parts of Providence. You know, it's a tough... These parts of these areas, Philly, it's it's a tough world out there. And, uh, you know, there are some neighborhoods that, you know... You 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 got to have your trigger your finger on the trigger at night at a, at a two o'clock a.m. Uh, surveillance uh, because you see some things that you can only imagine at two a.m. in some of these cities I mentioned. Absolutely. Um, and and so you know we 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 uh, we're, we we see we see the devil you know and and it's a it's a tough world out there. It is, and we developed uh, we had some sayings that we used to use all the time. One was, and I still hear it is head on a swivel all the time. No matter where yeah, you sure. are, even when you're off, you're off duty, you keep your head on a swivel because bad stuff will happen when you least expect it. And it happens in good neighborhoods too. This this myth that people have, well, I live in the suburbs, a nice area, and I always go, hey, bad guys steal cars and they drive to your neighborhood. So you're not a man. Yeah. So part of that has got to be similar to your whole philosophy of a switched on life. Absolutely. John Jay, it's absolutely, you know, it's being switched on. Life's journey is filled with hills and valleys, right? And broken dreams and promises and, of course, death. And if you're switched on, you'll understand and appreciate that through love and loss, our hearts take shape. And 
we grow as human beings, as police officers, you know, we see, we see so much tragedy all around us. And if you're not switched on as a police officer, let alone a, a, a human being, regular civilian, it's very easy, very easy to drift to the dark side. And I learned, I learned what it means to be switched on from my Marine Corps father. That kind of sounds like what, back in the day, Joseph Wamba, who used to write a lot of books, I believe he's a retired L.A. cop. And and his whole premise was, in policing, you see people at the worst and you deal with the worst of society, and eventually you wind up becoming part of that society and you become one of the worst of the worst if you don't find a way to look for other things beyond your job. Absolutely. So the three core principles, Jay, if I may, John Jay, if I may share with you in the audience, the three core principles my Marine Corps father, sergeant police officer, taught me and that serve as the really principles of what it means to be switched on in life. You need these three core principles. And, and the first one is strengthen the mind through education. It's your ticket to life's party. Without it, you're not getting in. Strengthen the soul through faith. You're going to need it on those dark, lonely, scary days where your mom died, your father died, your brother died, your sister died. You're going to need faith. And strengthen the body through sleep, eat, and exercise every day. Those are the three core principles that I live by today, and I live by as an agent, to help me get through those dark, scary days that I face, and, and I'm sure you face, and we all face in life. Yeah. Because if, without it, I may not be speaking with you today. Absolutely. It sounds like really far-fetched principles, but the truth is, I do those three things now. I, I do them every day. Look, I retired at the age of 33, had to learn a new career. I began to pursue radio. Then, yep. actually it was the early days of podcasting, which got me started. Now I'm heavily in radio and podcasting and, and internet and social media, things that some of my age shouldn't do. I pray and I meditate every day. I try to eat around the same time every day. I try to go to bed around the same time every night and wake up the same time every day to make sure I get enough sleep because my body was an absolute battlefield for so long with the ups and downs, yeah. the highs and lows, the adrenaline, the crashes. Yes, sir. And he tra- he believed, my dad and I believe as well, if you train the mind, which is the most important muscle, I know it's not, it's technically an organ, but if you train the mind, the body will follow. If you don't train the mind, potentially you get hurt in many different ways, emotionally hurt, physically hurt. So it's about training the mind, the body, the spirit. And that's what I mean about being switched on. You've got to get switched on in life if you want to lead a healthy, safe, successful life. And to have a good, long retirement afterwards. <laughs> Let's talk about your website, what's on it, what people can find yeah. there. Let me just say that Switched On Life is, is the website. And, you know, the, the book is out. I love the audio book that just came out uh, for those who like audio books. So the book is there. The Switched On Life podcast is there where I have great guests on uh, talking about what it means to be switched on. There was, there's more to follow in, in the coming days and weeks. And, and, and you know, I just want people to live their best 
safe life, quite frankly. Absolutely. I want people to have the best of the best, and nothing bothers me more than hearing about someone who did 20, 25 years in law enforcement or a firefighter or a military, and within two years after retiring, they, they drank themselves to death. Eric, Karen, thanks so much for being guest on the show. Thanks for all you do. It's all very much appreciated. Thank you, sir. One of the questions I get all the time is, how can I show my support for law enforcement? Well, we're all busy, but there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. It's just that simple. Think of it this way. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide, so you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. And when you see posts that you like, you agree with, especially episodes of the radio show and podcast, be sure to share it on your social media. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, leave an honest review and or rating. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.